0: We can edit anything afterwards anyway but without further ado we then press some buttons like this jb did you see one of our panelists dancing to the theme tune then yeah it's
1: nice a little tune isn't it just it's four years old it's an earworm (laughs) find myself just doing it in the kitchen a little bit now and again doom, do, do, what doom,
0: doom, the theme change
1: yeah well, just to clarify that's good to know
0: uh, anyway good morning good afternoon good evening good overnight welcome uh, to the global leadership podcast i'm anthony
1: and I'm JB, and never has that been more appropriate than good morning, good afternoon, and good evening because we have international guests with us today.
0: We do so, um, as ever, you've probably noticed if you've been listening to our podcast recently, we've been talking about the excitement of instead of me and JB just talking utter bollocks, we now invite other people to talk sense, and they then add some kind of intellectualness, if even that's a word, to our dross. Is basically the plan for the Costume next 50 to Get all
1: sweary with the first two minutes of opening up our podcast today
0: well I kind of assumed if I swore up front that then gave license to our guests to be a bit more explicit because we're going to have to mark the podcast as explicit anyway and it also prevents them from promoting it too heavily on social media because they'll be clearly worried about offending all their customers or employees <laughs> genius True.
1: anyway aff- they want to play, play this to people that they actually know
0: well it would certainly double our listening figures if they even played it to one person each so you know or if they
1: actually yeah. listened to it that would be good
0: wouldn't it uh, anyway yeah. so uh, we have um, two lovely guests today uh, a lovely lady by the name of lisa and another lovely lady by the name of viviana and we'll hand over to them each for a, a brief introduction in a moment uh, me and jb for transparency should add into the mix here that we've both worked with lisa and viviana in a previous life many many moons ago when i had at least six more hairs than i have today um anyway let's start
1: by introducing and when Lisa. I was larger mm. in those days I think yeah 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 and, Lisa and now, yeah can we just <laughs> say though, like the, the,
2: half the size
1: you see and the, 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 we have to allow for the compliments coming in I have been Absolutely. working on my six-pack uh, recently so mm-hmm. it's good to get these compliments in thank it's you six pack of, of of Budweiser Viviana if you're curious pack.
3: Um, Lisa
0: um tell us obviously introduce yourself to the lovely listeners of our global leadership podcast
2: thank you very much thank you for having me on your leadership podcast so uh my background is predominantly in talent talent acquisition and talent management for the last 20 years um in asia and in europe and i'm now based in lovely south florida in miami which i'm very lucky to be here i know those Mm -hmm. days in miami jb
1: um remember them well
2: exactly yeah yeah still good still good Mm -hmm. um so now i am the owner and founder of two businesses for the last three and a half years so one is um talent advisory business so going in and helping organizations with their talent strategy from people, technology, process. Um, My other business is called Altus Works, and I have a business partner called Neil, um, who's also British but based in the U.S., and we work with British entrepreneurs who are looking to grow into the U.S. with their business strategy and then introducing them to a network of people who can help them land their business successfully over here. So well, that's yes, good. Very to
0: be. happy to be here. Yes, yeah, good. Now, Lisa, am I allowed to mention that you also run your own competitor to this particular podcast? Or, or do I need you, to?
2: You just mentioned it. So I um, can edit it out yes. if you want me to. <laughs> no, 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 no. Keep it in. So I'm just starting. I'm just starting, as Anthony knows, because I've been driving him crazy, sending him WhatsApp messages, asking questions about how to do it. So I've just started my own podcast. And the idea is I'm interviewing folks who have moved specifically to Miami to begin with from the UK and giving them the opportunity to share their story. So we've we've all had experiences moving to the US. We might have the same language, but sometimes it's different, common language, but different language um, with different, um, just different meanings. And that leads to some quite funny situations and asking people, you know, what would you do differently that if you were to you know, go back to your former self, however long ago that was, how how would you approach the move differently? And just getting people to share their stories, because I just think it's super interesting, everyone's experiences moving to the US.
0: Thank you, Lisa. And uh, you can get her podcast available on all good podcast suppliers, but we'll get the name weeks. plug at, at the end, yeah, in a few weeks, <laughs> once she's worked out how to press record. And basically, yeah. Lisa's only on the panel, she's only agreed to be on the panel today because she basically wants to learn what not to do. So Right. Um <laughs>
3: Viviana,
0: um Viviana, obviously, tell us a bit about yourself and um, where you're from and all those sorts of things.
3: Sure, sure. How can I catch up with that, Lisa? Great. I didn't know that part of you is so amazing. Um, So, yes, I'm a mom, I'm a professional, (laughs) and I'm learning every day about podcasts because it's something that I want to do. But if we go back probably 15 years, I started off my career with talent acquisition, head hunting um, in a local company in Puerto Rico. I'm from Puerto Rico. So I started off recruiting engineers, marketers, CFOs, CMOs, etc., for companies uh, in Puerto Rico that there were uh, they, the headquarters that were in US, but they had important hops between Latin America and US being Puerto Rico that, that um, headquarters for that. So there were many positions, very interesting uh, positions that require leadership. So, but yeah, I was I do I did talent acquisition for probably five years, and then this company that I was working on there, it was a minority-owned company, it was a women, and she wanted to continue to create and bring new services. So she started creating these services that she called it uh, BPO, business process outsourcing, which it was basically outsourcing of third-party employees. And then at that moment, an important client came in and they said, Viviana, this is for you. Take off and the sky is the limit. So I embraced it. It was Microsoft. And with Microsoft, I had the opportunity to travel to all Latin America. Um, I was young, probably 24, 25 years, and I was traveling all around those amazing cultures in Latin America. So I started with Dominican Republic, then Costa Rica, Panama, Bolivia, Chile, um, Peru, um, Colombia. So, so it was an amazing experience learning about other uh, cultures, as well as trying to support this company to continue their growth within the Latin America uh, um, era. So, it was amazing experience. Then, I become a mom, and I decided to stop. I said I was traveling too much; that was not sustainable. So I took probably year and a half. And then I was like, I need to go back. <laughs> I love being a mom, but my, I need to go back. So that's the beauty of having great relationship with your clients. So, because one of my clients, I was, I remember in the airport and she came to me and say, hi Viviana, it's been so long, what you're doing? I'm like, I'm being a mom, but I'm ready to go back. And she said, oh, I actually have a position. And I'm like, oh, interesting. So we basically had the interview process and I started and I moved to Dominican Republic and I lived there for five years and being the HR business partner for commercial and the manufacturing sites. Um, And then because of my husband's career growth, we decided to move to U.S. So finally, I'm here in the U.S. And then I work in this amazing company that I get the opportunity to meet you both, meet you, all of you. And I was there for probably two and a half years. And then another company called me in and say, we have an opportunity to Latin America. And I was dying to go back to support Latin America region. Um, and that's my passion. That's where I feel more comfortable with. And yeah, it is an, uh, has been an amazing, amazing challenge. And now I'm the Azure Business Partner Manager for North Latin America region since one year and a half. <laughs>
0: and that's the end of our podcast today buddy thank you very much for joining and we'll, uh, we'll see you on next week's episode um, so no thank you for that that introduction viviana and and also lisa thank you uh, as ever as you'll know listening to this podcast we have lots of listener questions and what we will try and do is limit our answers to two minutes a question if that's okay um and me and jb if we then work out we've got a bit more time we might give a bit more at the end uh, if you are a listener to the podcast and want to submit one for next week's panel uh, you can and do glp that's glp for global leadership podcast at seedl.com that's s-e-e-d-l.com uh, send your questions through to that email address and we will add it into the queue for the next audience that we have with us so that's glp at seedl.com if you've got listener questions and actually we've got quite a few to get through um let's start jb coming to you first if that's all right. um with the following question it's an anonymous one and it's one that you and i started i believe um in a webinar a few weeks ago Um, How would you approach someone in your direct reports to talk about their gossiping? Its toxicity is spreading across the team. High capability and engagement has severely decreased very recently in this person. So how would you approach a direct report to talk about their gossiping? It's clearly causing problems in their team. This person has had a performance and engagement issue of late.
1: Well, uh, how many times have we come across this uh, with uh, the people that we've worked with over the years, where there is just maybe one person in the team uh, who creates this level of toxicity? And it can be really damaging to morale. It can be damaging to the credibility of the manager if they don't deal with it. So, but the question is how, isn't it? How do you deal with one of these situations? And I, I always refer to the three part assertion, um, message here because it has always been useful for me in challenging the most difficult individuals in teams. And this is how it works. You need as much, uh, specific evidence as you can find. And to detail that very quickly at the beginning of a conversation with this person, you flagged it up. You've said that there's something really important that you need to have a conversation about and just go straight in with that specific problem, Uh, in this case, uh, gossiping. Uh you want to provide as much evidence as you can. And the second part of the three-part assertion message is to say how that actually makes you feel right now. And uh it may be that that is, I am feeling really frustrated. I am feeling angry. And note, you can say that you feel really angry, even though your tone is not angry. You're just dis- you're describing the feeling as angry. Um, So you use that part of the assertion message and then you go on to say what you need. And so what you need is for this to stop and that it's not acceptable. It's not okay. And if we are understanding each other at that point, we can actually move on from there. But you have to do that very effectively and efficiently in the first part of the conversation. There's then the opportunity uh, to actually talk about what that strategy is, how that's going to work. You might end up finding out why this person feels the need to do this, but you've got to really make it clear it's not okay and it's not happening anymore, and this is how I want it from now on. That's my view.
0: Thank you very much, JB. Lisa, I'll come to you next. And um, what would you do in terms of uh, challenging someone about one of their direct reports and their they're gossiping in the team?
2: I think I would take... I, I like JB's approach, um, but I think I would perhaps see what's going on with that individual because clearly they're unhappy. tends to be if people are gossiping, there's something going on. Um, they're not happy at work they're not happy with the team there's just you know if they've got time to do all this gossiping clearly something is not right so I think it would depend on the relationship that you have with that individual how open you can be how direct you can be how they would respond to a, a direct question but I think I would just be as explicit as possible and say look Um, you know, it seems that there's been a bit of gossiping happening, what's going on, what's going on with you, how's everything going, and try and approach it from that perspective. Um, But again, if I had a good sort of open relationship with that individual, then I feel like I could probably have that conversation um, and just be very direct. But if I didn't, then perhaps I might take the approach of, you know, let's just catch up. How's everything going? How's how's it going with the team? How are you working together? And try and see if I can get to the root of the actual issue. Um, because typically, people do these things because they, you know, there's something not right um, most of the time, especially if this is not their normal approach and you haven't heard this about them before. Um, with uh,
0: the individual concerned, Viviana. Um, what's your take then? What will we do around this? What conversation would you have?
3: As I, I believe, as Lisa said, my approach will depend on the level of my, how's my relationship with that person. And in my in my situation being an HR, I do have to have those conversations and I have to understand what is happening in their minds. I would need to do follow-up questions, trying to get, as much as I can to go back and understand what is really happening. And if it's affecting others and the team, I really need to have the conversation with the manager as well. So of course, confidentiality plays a key part on this and the trust in the process of that conversation. But yes, we need to get into the bottom and only with conversation, meaningful, honest
0: conversations you can get that um so my take on the question um and thank you for this anonymous question we can't thank you for it but well personally but hopefully you're listening to this um you've you've mentioned in the question about the fact that their capability and engagement has decreased and that for me um poses a interesting point of discussion um and maybe it's about having a conversation with them around what's changed you know what's changed since three months ago or whenever that period is that they've decreased very recently in this person, you've put in the question. So I would have a conversation. JB and I talk about no focus and value an awful lot in our webinars. Um, And I think, um, you know, maybe trying to understand what do I need to know about you with the currency? What's going on? What do I need to know? Those sorts of things can be quite useful. Um, And look, you know, if there's a a performance problem, I I think that it's to separate it out. But if you think that the toxicity and gossiping is as a result of their capability and engagement, then I think you need to work out what the capability challenges are and the engagement issues are first. Because I wouldn't be surprised if you had a a conversation with them about their capability, which is, I presume, much more evidence-based, you then might be able to chip away at what's causing their capability issues, which may uncover an underlying issue that you weren't aware of. If you can then kind of make them feel like they're being listened to, I suspect they then may start saying, "Oh, actually, yeah, I'm not very happy at the moment." Well, let's talk about that then. Let's talk about what's making you unhappy, and then almost come to some sort of conversation point with them as, "Look, these are the, you know, along with the performance issues, there's also clearly evidence of you not being happy about this current situation because you're talking to other people about it, and it and it's making me feel uncomfortable that we can't even have these more objective conversations because of what I'm hearing from others." So I think you can almost, I think, address point two of your question before the gossiping piece because i suspect one is causing the other especially as the fact you said it's been severely decreased as you know recently so um if that was the case um then also ask them about what good looks like from the past you know what what was what was going to be um you know what what was great before that's not great anymore get some of those things out on the table would be my take um thank you very much for anonymous question uh question number two for today's podcast um amy in suffolk asks and, and, and jb isn't it nice um i, I quite like this question i have to say jb it's the first time they've they've complimented us you know like love the show they didn't say that um you seem quirky and cool which one's quirky and which one's cool um Lisa this and Viviana can just de- Viviana even, and Lisa can decide. Bring us into this. No,
2: no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Anyway, I, I think <laughs> the <laughs> assumption is you're both quirky and
0: cool. Oh, oh, like that.
2: Um, okay. building and
0: to ma- share that. I okay, I, I'd rather be cool than quirky, but you know, um, building and maintaining a str- hang on a minute. Actually, what order was the names? Aunt and JB, quirky and cool. So if she's aunt and JB, then I'm the quirky one and you're the cool one i presume anyway amy please clarify uh, glp at cedar.com building and maintaining a strong personal brand can be crucial for leaders in your experience how have you managed to balance authenticity with the expectations that come with high profile roles what advice would you give to emerging leaders seeking to establish their own leadership brand in speech marks i've recently been promoted and i'm trying to shake off the old amy um viviana you can go first on this one and then we'll go lisa then um i'll go and then we'll let jb sweep up the mess
3: so yeah that was a good question amy um so i have to say that uh your style should be as much as you are you should be truth to yourself um and Of course, we have we have come in different types of leadership over decades and how we could adapt ourselves to feed those those boxes. But I do believe as I continue to in this my own journey of learning about myself is to be true to yourself. So that would be my advice. The best version is your version, not you shouldn't be copying anyone else's model. Um, And of course, it has to be basic. Uh, human behaviors that you have to keep. If you're a leader, empathy, um, openness, um, energy, but at least whenever you feel that you are in doubt, what should I do? Just hear what you you have in your you. What do you believe it is? And I think it will be the best version. That's my own take on this question. And that will be my best advice to you,
2: Amy.
0: Thank you very much. Lisa?
3: I totally
2: agree with Viviana. Um, Firstly, don't shake off the old Amy. The old Amy is the reason why you got promoted, right? So the reason why you got promoted is obviously because you're very good at what you do. And clearly, you have great leadership and leadership potential. So the key is, as Viviana said, be true to who you are, continue to be you, and continue to be open to learning and developing your skill set as a leader. Um, I think we can all say that, you know, we're all still learning, right? Right. We're all going in different paths and directions. And sometimes it is easy to see and be influenced by people who you like, who, you know, perhaps you look up to. And that's great. And take pieces of that because it inspires you. But ultimately, there's a reason why you've been put into that position. So so really take that um, and make it your own um, would be my advice.
0: Thank you very much, Lisa. Um, my take. Ooh, we have first of all a Ceedle session on personal branding, which you can find on searching your nearest Ceedle platform, and you can book onto it. Um, I think I like what Viviana said around authenticity. Um, it's interesting. I spent some time with some leaders in Bermuda. Ironically, I say ironically because I was talking about Bermuda earlier on in a previous session, um, and there, there was a there was this real brick wall between um non-work amy i'm using amy as the the the, the, the staple name here and in work amy and basically in work amy was not allowed to let out of work amy into work if that makes sense so they didn't feel they could have a real relationship with their people they felt it should be very much power over rather than power with and um ironically their staff engagement was the bottom of the office um no surprise so i would agree with with viviana on authenticity i also think um sometimes what's quite useful is as we as i touched on a previous question is the no focus and value conversation so you know actually understanding and listening to your people about how they best feel they are focused and valued is important so how do i best value you how do you like to be focused how do i best work with you give a little bit of empowerment but also i think um you definitely need to kind of put your own stamp on things um, so, you know, what do you want people to remember about you? JB and I came from an advertising background. In fact, I remember Lisa came from a vending machine background, which used to have advertising on the front of it. So, you know, all this stuff is is real shit. Anyway, the reason I say all these things is that, um, you know, in radio, um, we had to campaign um, what our... <laughs> our brand was if you have an advertisement on the radio you need to have it out there quite a few times before listeners start to pick up on what your brand stands for so having a simple conversation of day one of this is me this is about me this is what you can expect from me well that's one thing but then you need to live and breathe it and i think there needs to be a real amount of campaigning and repetition about what you stand for and how you're going to work with people um in terms of quirkiness and cool i agree unique is quite quite nice um I think there's a whole host of stuff you could probably get from from Seedle and the leadership sessions, of course, if you're not on there already. I don't know how your question came through. Um, but there you go. That's my take. But I know JB's itching to say something very, very compelling.
1: Well, hardly. <laughs> there's nothing else left for me to say. You've you've covered everything. Um, apart from uh, a little bit of vulnerability goes quite a long way, I think. And yeah. just being human... Um. So I I I really like this um question about uh identity and brand. Um and I I I I think people particularly younger managers I think are quite nervous about um showing a little bit of vulnerability. And I I, I remember um people used to say uh, that I was quite fun and I, always get, I used to get really worried about that. And so then I I kind of I I started getting really serious and quite sort of cold. um, And that didn't work. You're not the JB that we used to love. Um, So then then I just came up with this kind of uh, thing that worked for me, which was to be fun and deadly serious about stuff and it was my thing so i i would be able to kind of work around those two things you know i can i think you can have fun and be deadly serious so humor i think you know if you you seem to have very good observational skills about and being quirky and me being cool that's a good starting point um <laughs> But uh, I think <laughs> I think I think just doing that little bit of human vulnerability thing, I think that's really, really a good thing to do. And the other thing, uh, I think Lisa covered it as well, which is this kind of role modeling learning. You know, that you you have a growth mindset and you you're learning new stuff. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You just taught me something I really didn't know. Uh, I, I really I really like that. So role model, role model that you're up for learning. Um, and let other people know more than you. It's OK. You don't have to know everything. You really don't. Just say, oh, God, that's really interesting. I really like your thinking on that. Um, and just to be a little bit vulnerable as well, just to fill in the gaps, I think, as best I could with some wonderful points from everyone else.
0: Um, a quick side question, <clears throat> starting with you, JB. Um, um, when you first went into leadership then, I guess, what was your thinking around self branding was it a conscious or was it unconscious what sort of things do you think right how am i going to turn up today
1: well that's a very good uh, very good question so i was thrust into uh running a uh, a few radio stations quite early on in my life um in my uh, very early 30s and i thought that i had to get my suit on and tell everyone what to do so i arrived at the um, radio station and and um, summoned everybody to a local theatre and uh, told them how it was going to be with my five-point plan that sounds familiar doesn't it um and um so I, I said this is what it's going to be this is how it's going to work and I and, and you know I was quite formal about everything and I that was a big lesson for me because afterwards I got a few comments which was that we're, we're a bit disappointed that we thought you were going to be a bit more kind of inclusive and a bit more open. And so then I went into a whole lot of one-to-ones with everybody to kind of go, what the hell have I done? And um, it was really useful because then I got everybody together. And we had some really good conversations about how we were going to build uh, our three-year plan um, and actually, there's a there's another question I think that's coming up where I might talk about how that planning process worked to include an awful lot of people uh, who wouldn't normally get involved in that stuff, um, in kind of making it uh, making it all about them, building the plan with them, and it, it was a, it was such a brilliant lesson for me, and it actually then it enabled me to be much more of this um, coach and leader and manager of the business hence the the kind of um, focus around leading and managing and coaching that I now uh, have so much to do with in my in my work in my work life
0: Thank you JB um Viviana I, I'm conscious you've led teams could be small um and I'm conscious you also work in a hrbP kind of role so therefore you are talking to leaders um what's your take on I guess my subsequent question around, you know, what What brand did you want to give off? Did you go in with kind of a, this is a this is sort of line manager I want to be?
3: Yeah, that's a really good question because I was just reflecting on this just recently. I think um, working, and this can be very, I don't know if it's conflicting, but I think uh, my starting off careers were working in a U.S. company in which, hierarchy and standing and how you project yourself was so important um and then when i moved to european companies uh i felt a difference of type of leadership and so i i I was struggling on how to feed on that um and then now just recently just like one year ago i said you know to to myself i said you just have to go with your guts what you really believe uh, about yourself and um, when I started going back when I started uh, I remember I was I think I had now the same leadership because I haven't that old many conflicting uh, leaders that I used to to have but at the beginning for example I had I was being as me as possible like I'm learning. I'm, this is new for me. I, I remember hiring people older than me. Um, and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be challenging. How are we going to do this? Um, and then years happened. I tried to fit into a mold and I said, this is not working. I wasn't being happy as a leader that I want. So now and in, in where I am right now, I really feel that I can be my true self. And so Having conversations with other leaders, my 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 conversation to them is just try to be vulnerable, as Jonathan said, and enjoy yourself. Don't forget about having fun in the journey, mm-hmm. and be humble mm-hmm. to say I made a mistake. We are human, so
1: that's my Viviana, I just want to um, ask a, a supplementary question about the difference between the American uh, <laughs> culture and the the kind of European way of of, what what, tell us more about that
3: sure so i started off in a local company in puerto rico and then i my first client was u.s company can be more u.s than microsoft right so (laughs) um it was really interesting how their their fast pace could affect somehow how people could be their own full potential because they have to keep up, right? It's an industry that you have to cut up. And the human aspect of them, it was like you could have here and there, uh, but there, there is a need to catch up so quickly that you could feel that they have, at that time, it was a little bit of a challenge to have, have fun in the work and, and connecting with people, real connecting. So, you have this type of leader, which is, we need to do this, we have to do this, seriousness, making sure they get the importance of the business, the innovation they're bringing to the table, that sensitive, which is needed, right? Um, and then a few years later, I, I, I have still friends from Microsoft, and that's since Satya, the CEO, he brought that human aspect to their leadership. That we need to accompany in, in the technology industry in order to be successful, they need to understand that the humans creating this innovation and the human factor cannot be forgotten. And European, it is interesting because when I I worked in 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 this company, I reported to the Netherlands. And I remember I was the only from this part of the world and I was Latina. So it is it's interesting because we tend to talk a little bit more than usuals. <laughs> I remember that I started reporting to uh, someone in the Netherlands and and she asked me the two weeks after my first team call and and she said, how do you feel? I'm like, do you want me to be honest? (laughs) And she said, of course, tell me. I'm like, the meetings are so just go straight to business and not asking about your kids, how you did yesterday. Why are we going to talk about that? And she said, you know what? On our next call, just do that. Just start talking about whatever you want and that has started and, and and you could see that that i a little bit a change there in the in their mindset but but it was interesting that's me that mm-hmm. challenge between us and and european leadership side but they were openness they were openness to they were open to hear other and be embracing diversity
1: yeah
0: okay right. thank you very much um lisa do you want, do you want to oh, we've done you haven't you it says me um have we done you i think we have no we haven't lisa go to you <laughs>
2: all right um I'm gonna be a little bit controversial here oh um so I I I know (laughs) so firstly in terms of leadership my, my leadership journey started in my 20s which I was you know which was great what an amazing opportunity had no bloody idea what I was doing I didn't I didn't think about a brand I just I I just took from who managed me in the past and that's typically what people do. Right. Yeah. So I made a ton of mistakes, Oops. as you do. But I, you know, every time I made a mistake, my first redundancy situation, you learn, you develop, you grow, et cetera, et cetera. I wish I'd had the, the development and learning and leadership training that you guys offer much earlier on in my career. But, you know, it is what it is. Um Talking about the US and Europe, so this is a really favourite subject of mine um, and something that I discuss often with ex-colleagues and uh, clients. So my first experience of working with a US company, I won't name the company, but my, so first starting my interview, I was told, okay, you're going to interview with someone in the US on video, you have to be very excited be excited. I'm like, okay. Um, so, you know, put on the razzle dazzle, as they say. So that was the first thing. Always be positive. I got some great advice. Be positive. Everything is great. Even if it's not, everything is great. That's what I was told. Secondly, my experience of being, as they call it, thrown under the bus mm. was um, quite prolific. In that organization. So I learned very quickly that the dynamic uh, in the US office versus European Asia office, very, very different, right? So, and that might not be true. It's definitely not true of all US-based organizations. And I think it's definitely changed over the last 10 to 15 years. But at that time, I think because in the US, you are hired at will, So you literally have two weeks notice at any time. People can get rid of you at any time. I do believe it does create a bit of a culture of I just got to look out for myself, right? And Mm -hmm. so what that means is when something goes wrong, you are automatically, if someone's to blame, they're going to blame someone, right? Um, And that was my experience of the differences in leadership style between the US, and obviously, initially, the UK, and then in Asia, when I lived in Asia. Um, And it was a shock. And it was really upsetting for me having I'm not saying, you know, everything is, you know, smelling of roses um, outside of the US. But it was just a very different approach. Everyone, you know, was super nice to me on the phone. And then something goes wrong. And uh, oh, yeah, Lisa did that. So it's uh, Lisa's fault.
0: Does that leave a trust deficit?
2: 100% big time. And so Mm. it was always about um, having your own back and making sure you are covered. I learned that. That's probably where I learned that the most. Keeping emails, you know, in recruitment, and that's where I uh, predominantly was focused. We're always going to be the ones to blame when numbers are not being hit sales organizations are a bit below. I've been in meetings and actually sat there and had salespeople say, oh, it's because we didn't hire the people we needed. So, you know, you've got to, I learned very quickly, you've got to have the data, you've got to have the sort of the ability to back yourself up Mm. and then the ability to put your hand up and say, yeah, you know what? We weren't able to do X, Y, and Z. Um, But ultimately you just... Yeah, I learned, I learned that working with those two different cultures.
0: Thank you. And it's always good to get these extra kind of questions, I think, kind of massaged into the existing listener questions. Um, JB, you look
1: uh, pensive. No, I, I, I'm my brain's just on fire. I'm just listening to all this good stuff. I'm just thinking about it. And, um, you know, that just going back to those early stages of management and, you know, just feeling like you have to do it like your boss taught you, mm. like your boss yeah. does. And that, I think that's why I was a bit stiff, really. I was a bit sort of, um you know, trying to be like him. And it, it wasn't me. And I got found out. And it was the best thing that ever happened because then I yeah. could be me.
2: But I, I also I think you become a you you believe you should become a manager because that should be your career goal, right? Yeah. It's like, "Oh, wow. Oh my god, I'm managing two people, that's it. Like that's my next step in in my career." But that's not always the answer and you're not always the right person <laughs> for that job at that yes. time.
0: Yes. Yeah. Very true. Thank you very much, um, everybody, um, for that question. We move on to the next question. Uh, Pradesh, um, I haven't said where you are, Pradesh, but here is your question. How do you ensure that your leadership style is not only effective in driving profits, but also aligned with a strong sense of corporate social responsibility and ethical conduct? Our company often obsesses on the bottom line, and I worry it's at the cost of everything else. It's interesting because you can almost link this into the... To the, the previous message. My, my one thing um, that I reckon is important is authenticity in your own leadership. Um, I think it doesn't matter in the company in which you work, so long as you can then create a culture within your team. Um, I think most people judge their line manager not when the going's good, but when the going's not so good. And it sounds to me, Pradesh, in your question, that there is a, I guess, a a lack of social responsibility or ethical conduct from the wider business. But that doesn't mean you and I need to do that. I think we could, in theory, be the magnet in the business for being, you know, the real deal. I think um, when um, looking at your own style, I would say it is one of trustworthiness um, on a whole different range of things. I think you need to be leading those people and inspire them about how you can do things and what your vision of the company's vision is i think um we need to be clear on communication about the things we can talk about and the things we can't talk about if all they're obsessing about is the bottom line um i would try and you know that that's clearly a statement of fact that's the report but then what's the story behind it how can you and i get there Um, So I think leadership style, um, I've often worked in pretty awful organizations of which um, some of you will know some of those organizations in my career history. And actually, you can still create a great culture within your team, even if the whole company might be obsessed with profits, which I'm not saying any of my previous employees were. But whatever goes on in the wider organization shouldn't, in my opinion, dictate your personal leadership style. I think what we can do is almost I I said once to one of my teams "We're the eye of the storm ignore the hurricane and I know there is some hurricanes heading in the way of Viviana and Lisa in the in the coming days um you know ignore the hurricane going on outside a window in here is a safe space where we can you know look about what we can do as a team so I would say you know don't certainly create a divide and division between you and the rest of the world because I think that would be counterproductive but do think about things that you can do to create that calm in what may appear to the wider business and team the storm um that would be my take um jb you go second this
1: time well i can only talk about from my own uh, experience of working for a ceo who's obsessed with a five pound share price I always remember it, and uh, every meeting, it was a "How are we going to get the company to this five-pound share price?" and that—that that was that was the entire business narrative. And this was a, a a radio group, and I just couldn't buy that because I knew trying to sell that in to a breakfast show presenter, right? Let's get excited about a five-pound share price. Not really. Um, you know, because they have egos the size of planets and a five pound share price is utterly dull. Anyway, so I went on to create this thing called Team 45. And Team 45 was where I asked my entire team to join me in the boardroom um, and have a conversation about the health of the business. And the perspectives that we covered off were customers, employees, shareholders, suppliers, community and regulator. And what we wanted to do was to think about the experience of every single one of these stakeholders in our business. We gradually started building uh, our objectives out of those six perspectives. And one of the big ones uh, was community. And being a radio company, uh, the, the relationship that we had with the community was absolutely essential. Um, and in that, uh, we had our listeners and, and everything else. So we started creating these visions for each of these areas. So the customer experience, the employee experience, the shareholder experience, It has to be a five pound share price. That was a given, we were gonna aim for that. But what was that about? We needed to break it down and help people to understand it. To me, this is about the frequency, the quality and the impact of your communication to your people, Um, not emphasizing just one thing, maybe have a broader perspective of all of the stakeholders in the business and just spend a little bit of time with all your people, just helping them to understand all of these different dynamics, these different perspectives, how they fit in uh, to making the business work. And my own personal experience of doing that with several teams actually after that, uh, was that it's massively engaging and useful for people to understand the complexities between a customer need, a shareholder need, and an employee need, and creates lots of dynamic conversation and get those things out in the open get rid of the elephants in the room. And and I found that a really useful way. Just 45 minutes every week. And we did that for years. Thank you, JP.
0: Um Lisa.
2: Yeah, it's never an easy one um, when you have to toe the party line, as they say. And we used to talk about that quite a lot. Ultimately, at the end of the day, um, every business is focused on their bottom line. That's, you know... That's the ultimate goal: to increase revenues, get to a specific situation, whether that's the five-pound share price, whether it's to sell. Uh, that, that's, that's essentially when you do your objectives. That seems to, that's always going to be one of them. But I agree with JB. There are other things that you can build around that, and um, to make it more engaging and more interesting for your teams to be to to ensure that they are working. that goal but there are other objectives that are not only going to support that end goal for the ceo but it's also going to support them i mean you don't need to go down the road of not thinking about your employees just to hit the bottom line but everyone is going to have an approach and i think trying to create that engagement but if you know if you truly don't agree with how the business is run and if you truly believe that there's some, you know, it's not particularly ethical and you're struggling, then perhaps that's not the right business for you. There are lots of businesses out there that have many different approaches to making sure everyone's engaged on the same shared values. And if you don't agree with that business's values, then it's, it's maybe not the right place. So that's something that I might think about. But if you if 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 you do align with their values, then yes, you can make a better situation for your team um, by creating those shared goals. But I think also just take a step back and just see, okay, is this going in the right direction for me or is this something I can't really get get on the train with?
0: Thank you, Lisa. Viviana.
3: Yes, great, Lisa. I do agree with your question, with your answer. And yes, I do agree that you have to match your purpose, your life purpose with the company's purpose and mm-hmm. understand what is driving this company in reality. Yes, we have this vision, mission everywhere, but what is your day to day and and do a reflection of if that there's a really a match. Now, in where I work now, we do have a leadership model, which I really like. And I really uh, believe that is really good and easy to explain. I'm going to take very few seconds here to explain. So basically, we do say the same energy you put into the business goal, you have to put the same energy on people. So we have like a 50-50 percent. You are a business leader as well as a people leader. Leader. So, um, yes, there's some challenges that you pr- might need to put more energy towards people when we have uh, redundancy issues, etc. But as well, when the business need, we need to get to this X, Y, Z goal, then you have to put more energy onto that. But at the end, it is a 50-50 balance. And And my recommendation for, for your audience question is to really uh, – uh, understand what is the situation if there's a a challenge business goal challenge talk to your manager understand more if you don't have that information look up for the information and then see how you can put your energy work on that uh, um behavior of putting your energy towards what is needed but also thinking and having in mind people always it is really important
0: thank you um as ever detailed answers there um we have time for one more question given how busy we have been today with our points. And I'm going to choose this one, Cara from Bristol. And this one is probably a buzzword in most of the organisations in which you're working at the moment. Anyway, Viviana and Lisa. Um, AI is the big buzzword in the media. How do we stay ahead of the curve in terms of innovation? And how do you foster a culture of continuous learning and adaptability given that presence of AI? Uh, any takers would like to go first on that one? I'll open it up to whoever goes, nods and goes. Yes, please. Um, Lisa gave a half-hearted nod, so over to you.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, AI is moving so fast in terms of the technology and what it can do and where it where it's helpful and where it's not helpful. So I think you in your business need to probably have a bit of a strategy as to how you're going to use it. Um, I can only talk from a talent perspective and the use of AI, which is actually very lacking right now. If you look at technology within the talent space, they're, they are very much behind. I mean, they've been using machine learning for a long time. And yes, there's resume matching using AI, but that's sort of it, right? And I have mixed feelings about using AI as part of an HR recruitment process. I believe humans need to be involved, but that's a whole other conversation but i think you know firstly it's about what is the how is the business using ai perhaps with its customers and then where can ai potentially support and help evolve your teams in doing the jobs that they do on a day-to-day basis and what is that approach going to be and then implementing the right kind of training and development to be able to utilize ai in the right way but I do think it ultimately comes down to what the business is looking to do, and what their goals are, and how they wish to use AI in their future.
0: Uh, JB and I, I know, come up with AI quite a lot in our work in the leadership space so um i'm looking forward to seeing what his take is with the learning kind of spin on it but viviana um obviously in your organization in which you work now i'm guessing ai is is a word that's probably being banded around for all sorts of things um in terms of i guess from a leadership's perspective uh, how do we stay ahead of the curve in innovation and um what do we do around cultures for this to support ai
3: yeah, that's an interesting question because just recently, probably three weeks ago, we had we got a first training about AI, what does it mean? And we were like all stunned. It's, it's just so new, just so amazingly impressive what the in, artificial intelligence can do. And of course, when you get out that, uh, that type of training, you get, wow, this is exciting, this is so new, but then you feel like, well, this is going to work or this is going to really be as it, you could see so of course there's a lot of as everything we need to we have to be honest with ourselves and say we there's a learning curve we need to understand what it is and also as Lisa said companies needs to understand how they want to use it and have a very strong message a communication plan towards it because then it could become a crazy place to work. So whenever a new com- a company is embracing this AI, it's really important to have a very straightforward message and to put control over it. As you know, artificial intelligence, it is technology doing magic somehow, but it will never replace human behavior. And so that is something that companies need to plan whenever uh, s- uh, ad- uh, accepting a new technology or or implementing it, they need to really sit with the CIO, the CEO, and say what they're going to do, what the expectations. Clear rules, nothing frenzy. anyone getting crazy. Um, and see how it goes. And I want to be one of those that will be embracing it because I do. I'm always open to new stuff, things that could be help you to be more efficient. But yeah, you have to learn. You have to keep up and learn and read and see what new articles are there about it, and and just wait because is this about around the corner? Even already writing other companies. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is true. Uh, JB? Well, I, I'm putting a, um, a couple of new training programs together on a thing called Kajabi. You've probably all heard of it. And um, I was guided through something this morning, actually, about um, AI and how to a whole section on AI. And how you know how you can build a, a, a complete training program around AI. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is this is this is interesting. Um, so it's you know, it's trying to keep ahead of it all the time, as this question um stimulates that thinking. And I I I actually think it's about the experience of all the stakeholders. How can we, how can we improve the experience? Of all the stakeholders in the business with our knowledge about AI. So the perspectives again, you know, thinking about how do we enhance the customer experience with AI? How do we uh, enhance our own employee experience? Maybe there are learning opportunities for us. Um, you know, is there a way to use it to, to enhance the relationship with our, with our suppliers? Um, and finally, how do we use AI to build a competitive edge? Are there ways in which we can use this to to enhance our competitive edge? I don't think it's sufficient on its own. It has to be complementary to the human effort. But that's what I think human first. And then how do we enhance our ex- the ex- experience of all our stakeholders? That means... You have to put someone in charge. That means you have to get a team together out of your team uh, to actually look at all of those perspectives and enhancing all of those different experiences. And that is not just a one-off. That That is every single week, every single day, because it's changing. It's evolving so damn quickly. Yeah. Uh, I think it's that important that we need to put someone at a high level in charge of it with a team of people from the team to focus on all of those experiences uh, of all the stakeholders in the business. that big.
0: So I I think we shouldn't be nervous about AI because certainly when we've been talking to organisational leadership, as their businesses grow, um, and with any business, with evolution, some of your roles will become redundant anyway. So it's just the natural evolution of, of what's happened in the past. I think what we need to do in terms of fostering the culture of continuous learning is... Um, looking at skills beyond our existing role that might set us up for the future you know I'm pretty sure that most roles that we set out to do at the beginning of our careers won't necessarily be the roles we ended I certainly didn't expect to be where I am today after you know 19 20 25 years old never in a million years what I've said I've been sat here now so I think um, where AI is concerned I think it's just another example of change and it's about being able to identify skills and actually work out how AI can work to your advantage. JB's talked about the fact that he's using tools now to make him, you know, better and more efficient. Therefore, what does that allow you and I to do as leaders that will free up capacity of those people's time to do better things, more interesting things, more client liaison, more human to human interactions? The list's endless, really. But that's my take. Um, our hour scarily is already up. That's what happens when you have a, a very big and informative panel, isn't it,
1: JB? I do you know I love I love this I love the panel approach to the podcast um I think I don't know whether we will be able to get such brilliant guests ever again. we might have to go into the street and just pull people in um and hopefully they will be as fun as you've been so thank you both uh, for for lovely wonderful contribution. can we always have such lovely guests please Well your
0: final words Lisa Viviana to any of our listeners listening the the, the one that's left. <laughs>
2: Lisa. <laughs> oh, lisa um send more questions listen to the podcast and come and visit us in miami that's Yay. a very
0: good point point. and lisa again the title of your podcast by the time i'm guessing I was... got it. <laughs> oh <my laughs>
2: yeah. goodness just put I, it through I've an ai got, I'm, machine i've narrowed it down don't ask i know we're overthinking it it's taking too long i'll have it today
1: yeah oh okay that's cool that's okay. the hardest thing to do isn't it to get,
2: to
0: get <laughs> yes. the name right
1: it really is hard
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I'll we, well, tell you what, uh, Lisa, if you are going to come up with it today, at least we can then put it in the description. So those of you that are okay. listening to this podcast now, look at the description of this episode, which would include Lisa's podcast. Of course, it won't be up yet for a few weeks. So then, you know, Correct. forget about it. If you're listening to this, uh, we're at well, the end of August. So if you're at the end of September, there should be like an episode live but now of a podcast we don't know the name of yet, but it will be named in our description. Good
2: luck. Well, if- If you uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, Lisa Shepherd, I'm the one in Miami, Florida, then uh, you'll be able to see it at some point.
0: She is the only one. Um, Viviana, um, thank you very much for being on the panel. Um, Hopefully you've enjoyed the experience.
3: Sure, thank you so much for inviting me and to your audience. Um, I hope you have learned something from me or Lisa today. Uh, we, uh, wanted What, to not do- me
0: and JB? Cheers. Well, cheers. We have. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> We've learned lots. Thank you.
3: Oh, you too. Of course. So uh, it was a great experience. And I do believe that podcast is a really complimentful learning tool. So take advantage of Anthony and JB. <laughs>
0: You're oh. gonna become
3: oh. Experts, um, so oh, thanks so again nice. for the invitation, Lisa. You and I should have lunch or or yes, and we could do a live session. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, anyway, thank you very much, Viviana, and also Lisa, and of course, the legend that is JB. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for listening. Do and send in your questions, glp at seedl.com. That's glp at seedl.com. I've been Anthony,
1: I've been JB. It's been a blast. Thanks, everybody.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you.